Hello everyone and welcome to When Life Gives You Lemons, our wee podcast about tackling and coping with some of life's challenges, hosted by me, Jenny McIntyre, and founder of Let's, Michael Byrne. Hello everybody and welcome to episode six of our second series of When Life Gives You Lemons. As always, I'm joined by the fantastic Michael Byrne and Today we also have a guest joining us um, there. So welcome both. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Yes, I'm good. Thank you. Um, Nair, are you well? Yes. Good morning to both of you. Yes, very well. Thank you. Good, good. Um, have you been any? Say that again, sorry. How, how have you been? Yes, I've been good. Um, I know we haven't recorded for a couple of weeks, so that's I'd kind of taken a bit of time off so that was nice so I'm back to feeling refreshed and raring to go I've reached oh, that's good and and uh, and that's that and I think it's important that you c- we kind of do that just now because mm-hmm. so much has happened hasn't it over the last wee while that um it's good to just kind of take a wee step back and take a break yes. uh, uh, absolutely I don't I think there isn't a day that goes past that if you even catch some of the news that confusion just fills you doesn't it it's yeah. like the rules were this yesterday, what is it today? I'm not really sure <laughs> tomorrow. And we're all confused. And certainly over the last week uh, or so, I, I've, I've kind of stopped watching as much news or, or looking at uh, news apps on my phone and stuff like that because it's just all confusing, particularly with some of the things that were happening last week as well. So uh, and I know we were just saying off air, I think maybe having a, a break or, or whatever you're doing and just kind of like coming away from um, all the kind of lockdown stuff that's going on just now has been great. But it's great to have you back as well. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's almost, like you're saying, it's confusing. It's it's almost more difficult at the moment because it is that question of what can I do, what can't I do? Mm-hmm. Whereas when we're all locked down, you just know that you're just locked down and that's just it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's mm-hmm. easier to kind of manage, if you like. But anyway, um, yes, it's nice to be back. <laughs> so, Nia, I am yes. delighted that you joined us today. Um, Thank you. you tell, why don't you tell... Yourself and uh, everyone who's listening today, a little bit about yourself, what your business is, and first of all, why you do what you do. Thank you very much, Jenny and Michael. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you this morning. Thank you. Um, so, what do I do? So, I'm a neuroscience based life coach. So, um, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or counselor. Life coaching is very much um, what where you are now, what you're wanting to achieve. And the neuroscience aspect is something that I love. It's a way that I can help you also manage your um, manage your stress levels, manage, help you to regulate your emotions whilst we identify what your goals are within your, uh, that you want to achieve within your personal and professional life. And then identifying those steps. Um, and doing it through the lens of neuroscience so I can help you understand what's perhaps happening in your brain at this part, what you can do less of, what you can do more of. And that is something I'm really passionate about, to help individuals understand um, the, the dynamics of their brain and how very simple changes, simple habits can be extremely effective in getting the most out of your brain. This amazing technology <laughs> that we don't really think about if we think about it. <laughs> It's an amazing piece of tech we have, and I'm really passionate about helping you understand how to get the best out of it. I know we've kind of um, had a chat before in there, and um, yes, like some of the things we kind of touched on, and and like you say, it's simple, simple things that 
but mm-hmm. quite often we, we don't even think about them um, yes. they're staring you right in the face really mm-hmm. so um, no as do you want to tell us a wee bit more about about how it kind of works and yeah so so with regards to your brain um rest hydration exercise these tiny habits we take for granted are so important and out of everything that i would like to get across to the listeners today is sleep mm-hmm. uh sleep is imperative it's not uh it's non-negotiable you know people who say they survive on three four hours it's i don't believe that they are effective people i'm sorry but maybe there are the few exceptions yeah <laughs> sleep is incredibly important and the more that um research has gone on in this area the more it's coming to light how important it is you know we all should be getting at least uh, seven to eight hours of good quality sleep every night including weekends mm-hmm. you know um people think that oh I-, I can burn the candle at both ends and catch up on my sleep um at the weekend it doesn't work like that if you've not had good quality sleep you've lost it yeah. um you you know we all identify with that morning we wake up and it's like oh my god mm-hmm. i'm so tired and then you've got to you know motivate yourself get yourself out of bed get yourself to work you arrive at work and you're not really in the best of moods and it's just you know like a catch-up all day long and when you've not had enough sleep you may be inclined to snap at people make poor judgment you're not making the best business decisions um you're tired you're running on empty um sleep is also a time where our memories are being sorted out for us Mm. um and also the most important thing is um that the brain is extremely active when you're asleep it's actually cleaning up the 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 debris of thoughts and all that stuff that's been going on during the day so all our thoughts all the electrical activity that's going on produces a byproduct for want of a better word and it needs to be cleaned up um and if not if it's not cleaned up adequately there are certain aspects of that byproduct which are detrimental to our long-term brain health so things like uh, dementia alzheimer's we're more at risk because the um the components of that debris, that uh, byproduct, some of that is what can contribute to um, these degenerative uh, diseases. So it's important to get that sleep because it's when we sleep that our brains are able to clean that mm-hmm. stuff away. Yeah. So it's very, very important. So out of anything else that you do, um, my most important thing I'd like for your listeners to understand is please, you know, prioritize your sleep. Um, if it's not a habit at the moment, it can become one just simple steps of an evening. Get your mind and body and everything ready for sleep. So if it means putting your phone down and <laughs> switching off the Netflix and putting on some, I don't know, some nice relaxing music or reading your book, lights are low, nice, beautiful linen. You know, you're looking forward to getting into bed and getting a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. It, it's these little steps. And it, it's um, that kind of... Thought of prioritizing yourself and putting yourself first, um, yeah, to kind of yeah. which I think for some people is kind of difficult, especially with work and everybody's working mm-hmm. from home just now. So it's it's being able to disassociate from from that as well and and prioritize your own health. Yeah, self care is really really important. Um, you know, uh, people are stressed at the moment. There's a lot of uncertainty. And uncertainty for the brain, again, is not good. 
um, it starts making you feel um, um, anxious and um, nervous and fearful because, you know, the brain likes to know what's happening next. Mm -hmm. And as soon as there's uncertainty, there's a part of the brain, the um, emotional part of your brain just, um, uh, it sets off. And then you start getting all that negative talk and the fear, the anxiety, and it turns into a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and I help my clients sort of understand that, look, there are going to be situations that test you and challenge you. And the beauty is that you're able to get control of that emotional part of your brain so that you can think from the rational mm -hmm. part of your brain, what we what we call the prefrontal cortex. That's like the CEO, CEO of your brain, um, you know, is where we should all be operating from. But if you let your limbic system, there's a particular set of cells uh, in the left and the right hand side called, uh, we call it the amygdala. Mm -hmm. You can call it what you like. <laughs> you, you know, you, you really can give your amygdala a, a name. Uh, but as soon as there's any threat, uncertainty, um, anything that is not sort of the norm for your brain, a new job, a new challenge, an interview, um, all of a sudden your working environment has changed. You're now at home. You're having to do many, many different things. You can set, it, it gets set off because it's there to detect threat. Mm. And if you don't have the uh, ability to just calm it down and sort of say, look, just shut up, calm down, and let me think straight, mm -hmm. um, then it's just going to take over and it becomes a vicious cycle. It becomes a habit. And these habits in our brain become ingrained. So as soon as you think that thought, it sets off this whole process of emotions that are negative, and all that's happening is you're deepening those paths in your brain, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so what we want to do is develop these habits um, that will develop new pathways in our brain that are going to serve us, that are going to be more productive for us. And, you know, to Jenny, you touched on people being at home um, and maybe not having as much control. But there's always little things that we can think about in our day that give us some control. And if it's a case of, look, um, simple habits of getting up at a particular time in the morning after our good, you know, seven to eight hours of sleep. Uh, maybe your intention is to do a little bit of exercise. Maybe the night before, get your running shoes, your dumbbells, whatever it is, out. So that as soon as you wake up, you see them. And it's mm -hmm. like, ah, I want to do that today. Even if it's just a minute, it's a minute. Mm -hmm. And that you've started the process. Um, you've got control a little bit of your day. Make sure that you hydrate your brain. As soon as you get up, have that glass of water. Mm -hmm. um, it's really, really important. You've been asleep such a long time. You need, um, your brain's been really busy, as we said. Get that glass of water, have a good breakfast. Um, and then just think perhaps, you know, what do I have control of, of my day? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and think of it that way rather than, oh, my gosh, I'm stuck at home. I'm stuck at home. I'm, you know, I'm not working. I don't have um that routine anymore try and look at what you do have control of that will give you a little bit of certainty and a little bit of calmness mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i know from kind of my own point of view i've got a room set up that that is my office but you have to walk through it to get to the kitchen and things and there's a dining table in right. there as well so like i would be eating my dinner there and, and whatever else mm -hmm. and, and and it kind of dawned on me a couple of months ago that I'm never really disassociating from this room at the moment mm. and and it's it's all in there so so I've kind of changed it all about so that that room is purely for 
for work and work alone so that I've got that yes that opportunity to disconnect from it when five o'clock comes or the weekend comes or or whatever else and for me I think it's made a a massive difference no I think that's that's really really good because again you're associating that this room is for work Mm -hmm. and concentration and and, and sort of productivity of a different kind. And then when you physically get up and you leave that room, then you're entering another zone of your home. And, it's, and, and to associate that with relaxation and, and, and rest and um, rejuvenation and doing things that give you pleasure mm-hmm. and, and relax you, whether it's listening to music, reading, calling up a friend. Yeah. Um, and it's good that you've done that, Jenny, because you're associating different areas of your home. Yeah. And, it, and it, as you're things. talking about the control thing, it's something that I can control. I can control mm-hmm. that that's the, the room for work and this is the room for, for relaxation or, or whatever mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, that's really, really good. Yeah. What about you, Michael? What do you do? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, I, I love all the, um, the stuff relating to brain. Uh, I absolutely do. <laughs> I, you know, not in a, not a shameless plug in any way, but in May, which mm-hmm. is Mental Health and Mental Health Week this year, I released a, a book called Don't Believe Your Brain. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, a whole load of experiences in my life through mental health breakdown, overcoming trauma and hiding wow. a lot of the effects mm-hmm. of the trauma for the majority of my life until I had my mental health mm-hmm. breakdown. And then a lot of the lessons that I learned and, mm-hmm. and self things that I learned about me during that recovery period. And, and I, and I kind of say to people, you know, when I do one of ones or whatever, that if your brain was, was seen as another being and you, mm. you know, and that friend as such kept saying to you, you know, you're worthless, you're never going to succeed. Mm. There's no point in you doing this, blah, blah, blah. All those negative things. You would tell that friend, look, Maybe we need to have a wee break from each other, or we're nearly mm-hmm. need to communicate slightly better than we are at this moment in time. I'd really like you mm-hmm. to support me rather than to be uh, negative with me. You would have mm-hmm. that conversation, but we allow, yes. without knowing it, we allow ourselves to hear all those voices in our head, and sometimes we believe them, and that starts the spiral of negativity and crippling is about actually what we might want to do with our business or our own private. Yeah, and it, but it's, it's <clears> when you realise that actually I can take control. I don't mm. need to listen to those voices. I will still hear them, but how you react to them is the important part of it. Um, yeah. And, and I, I love all of that um, neuroscience mm-hmm. uh, part of your brain where actually you can learn all about your brain rather than it dictating you. You can start to persuade your brain, talk to your brain, you know, have some tricks up your sleeve that, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it's always one of those things when you spoke about sleep there, mm-hmm. always be a terrible sleeper and, you know, maybe only get two or three hours a night. And it was because mm-hmm. I would just be so unwell. I was so mentally unwell that my brain would never stop. But interestingly enough, during those times during the night, I would write poetry and some of the best poetry. Oh, nice. My brain was so mm-hmm. tuned in to all of the things that were going on during the day. But mm-hmm. it never served me well in terms of, you know, dealing with my illness. But now I have mm-hmm. to get a lot better sleep because at the very beginning, you said there's sleep, hydration and exercise. Um so mm-hmm. I got up in the morning and I've got a garage. Jenny knows this. I've got a garage and I've got a weights bench in it and some free weights. Oh, well done. Do, you know, <laughs> an hour or so, do some, do a workout, whatever it may be. And then that regulates for me what I'm going to have for my lunch, what I'm going to have for dinner, when I'm going to go to mm-hmm. bed, because I know the next morning I want to get up and do that again. So um, I really love all that. But it takes a while to learn that sort of stuff that, you know, yeah. look after yourself is to your own benefit, you know, and, I can always say you can only get a pint of milk from a pint of milk. And if you run 
as a person. <laughs> what are you go? What are you going to do? You know. So, but it's brilliant. I love what you do. It's fantastic. Well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I think I'm. I'm really passionate about it because it's. Um, Knowing, ha- having this knowledge has helped me during this time as well. I, I like to think of myself as somebody pretty resilient, pretty strong um, and able to handle, you know, most situations and fairly now in control of my limbic system and certain situations where I fly for the handle for family situations or certain friends and conversations like oh my god here she goes again <laughs> you know and, and you, you you know I've learned to be less judgmental I've learned to sort of listen and calm down and be aware that it's my amygdala playing mm-hmm. up you know and whereas I would tell my amygdala to just shut up and almost like visualize it over there in the corner shrinking I don't even say shut up anymore I have like this color I have a favorite color and I just see it sort of covering it coming down and covering that structure in my brain that goes a bit limbic you know there was a saying going limbic and mm-hmm. it is literally when you know there are some people in our lives who just fly off the handle you don't really have to say much to them and they're just they the limbic system is in control of them but getting through to an individual like that will take a little bit of effort but what we can do is change ourselves and i i've experienced um the benefits of knowing um that look you know i need to just regulate my emotions here and start thinking from um the the, the logical part of my brain it's not always easy but it's become more and more and more the norm yeah and and I'm not flying off the handle, etc. You mentioned something, Michael. Um, it was really interesting about the aspect of self care and how we talk to ourselves and how we'd never talk to a friend like that. Um, there was something I came across, and I do invite um, uh, clients and people in my life to sort of nurture the the, the little Michael, the little Jenny, the little Nair inside us. So you know that little child, that that carefree kid we were before responsibilities and <laughs> exams at schools and things like that you know if we can go back to that little child and I don't know go back to a memory of you playing in the park or on a swing I love swings um that child is still there within us oh, absolutely you know nurture it look after it and every time you sort of say something horrible to yourself kind of go hang on a moment would I tolerate anybody speaking to my the little Michael or the little Jenny in that way no way so why do I do it to myself yeah. So really, it's really interesting because when I, you know, I, I, a lot of my background was all about being abused as a child and then mm-hmm. my father was murdered. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. Just a whole load of things that, that were catastrophic events, but I never dealt with them at any stage because as a young girl mm. being abused, for me, it was all about you can never talk to anyone about it because something worse will happen to you, you know, and I, I know right. many things mm. worse can happen to you when you're a child like that. But mm. even though it's been facilitated by your parents, your parents are still your parents. You still don't want to lose them. So you think by all yeah. speaking about it, that something must happen. So every mm-hmm. uh, life event I went through, I would never open up about it because I believed that something mm-hmm. else, something worse would happen. And so mm-hmm. I always lived my life with an underlying emotion of fear because of physical violence and stuff I witnessed. Right. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until I, I got a diagnosis of, I was going through my mental health breakdown of complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And I always say this when I'm doing mm-hmm. talks in general, I was the happiest man alive to be diagnosed with a mental illness. But I bought, mm-hmm. it allowed me then to use all of the strengths that, you know, I was high-functioning, so I would be performing really well. Yes. What I now did was transferred those high-functioning skills to allow me to recover in a sensible manner. But what a book, uh, mm-hmm. and what I really try to say here is I bought a book, and in it the chap spoke about uh, emotional flashbacks and I'd never mm-hmm. heard of that term but what I realized mm-hmm. was that when I was living in fear 
it was the three-year-old, it was the five-year-old me that was in fear. It wasn't oh. seven-year-old me because I wasn't yeah. around. It was this emotion inside me that was crippling me. But actually, I then began to realise it's the child. It's that little Michael, yeah. young Michael who is trapped there and re-witnessing or re-emotioning all those things. And it doesn't have to be that. And when I realised all of that, it was just like mm-hmm. an awakening. It was it was really, really comforting for me. Um, and it allowed me to just overcome a whole load of things once you realise that actually all these things are trapped inside you, but it doesn't mean they're not fixable and they can be. Exactly, yeah. Once you start to learn about them, and it was really liberating for me. So I totally agree about um, the young person. I have a four-year-old son, and I'm mm. acutely aware of, just like you said there, uh, near about... Communicate mm-hmm. with them, wanting to build memories for him, wanting to build yes. part, wanting to have fun for him to remember the laughter, mm-hmm. all of those things. And when I speak to him, I'm I'm every other human being as well. You know, I, have a, I might get frustrated, I might get something like that, is to think yes. that could have an impact on him. You know, and it's not about saying I can't do it, it's about going back and correcting it, and saying, Sorry, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to get frustrated there or, or whatever it was, and saying that, yeah, you know, and it's almost that makeup thing. So, but as mm-hmm. I said, I think it's fantastic. And you're right about the younger you or whatever it is, because it's we have so many layers to us, and you know, yes, I'm 50, whatever just now, but you know, I, I'm product of the 50 years up to now as well, you know, yes. No, it's really amazing. You've done incredible um, work on your personal development. You have to be congratulated on the fact that you're so aware with regards to your, your young son now and his memories growing up. It's, it's amazing. And I wanted to ask you, Michael, whether you'd actually um, maybe jur- done any journaling um, during your your time of, I don't want to call it recovery, but your, you know, you're working yeah, through... Yeah, well, well, actually, some... I, um, it was really interesting because through my whole breakdown, it really took me to the precipice of wanting to end my life and the mm-hmm. planned it all. Uh, and then, you know, there was a universal intervention or whatever people believe mm-hmm. in religion, whatever it may be, but for me it was a universal intervention in the morning that uh, I was uh, planning or had planned to commit suicide. And one thing or another happened, but mm-hmm. what I then tried to do was communicate how I felt with my wife and his mm-hmm. friend, uh, you know, a week or two later, and it didn't go well because it was filled with emotion and it was all that yes. And, you know, my wife would see it from the point of view of why would you want to leave uh, my son mm. and, and my wife or my wife and my son and you know yeah. my mate just seen it from a bloke's point of view of why would you want to do that you've got quite a nice car and I then mm. thought I don't think I can communicate with people yeah. the way that uh, that makes sense to them so I what I actually started to do rather than journaling was write poetry uh, and uh, yeah. the poetry is almost like a cathartic measure to allow people mm. to see where I was and if I was or wasn't making progress and so on. And mm-hmm. um, I would leave my poetry, but you know, my journal book, which was a poetry yes. book, um, lying around so my wife could pick it up and read it at any point. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't journal it, but ultimately mm-hmm. what it did is I, I ended up releasing that book of poems uh, and it's free to anyone. We can just oh, that's this nice. one, uh, yeah, as a book of poems. Um, and it's just about my journey through breakdown and recovery. Um so mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't journal it in terms of here's how I felt. I, I yes. done it because I uh, done it through poetry. But as I always say, I'm a boy for gorbles. Yeah. Nobody for the gorbles ever admits to writing poetry, so it wasn't something. That <laughs> <I could say. laughs> um, no, that's it's beautiful because it's it's um, poetry is very um, 
it's a way of being creative. And sometimes when people are, um, your, your experience is quite extreme, Michael, but um, some people are maybe sometimes too um, analytical, too logical, they're too work orientated, you know, uh, I've got to get this, 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 this done. Um to to stimulate that sort of um, the right side of your brain, which is all about creativity and imagination and colour and all of that abstract. I have said to clients, write a bit of poetry. I've never written poetry before. It doesn't matter. No, no, just I get a piece of paper and just let mm-hmm. it come out. Or why do you think, you know, adult colouring books yeah. are so popular? There is a need in us as adults to... To have that playfulness, you know, work is serious, isn't it? We have to deal with our bosses, our colleagues, the commute and everything. It can all lead to a quite stressful day if we let it. We do need a release, don't we? So if you can grab a colouring book, colour, poetry, as Michael did, and journaling from some people may help them because journaling is a way of um, just free flow writing, just write whatever thoughts and emotions are coming through. And you can actually read back uh, read back at the end of the week or something and see what was triggering particular thoughts or emotions and what perhaps you can do to stop um that turning into a negative and also um our unconscious thoughts are quite are there in our unconscious and when you do allow creativity and and just do you know what what the hell i'm just going to write it's amazing what comes up what thoughts mm-hmm. come up yeah. Um, and especially thoughts and emotions that are possibly hindering you moving forward. So journaling can be a great way of just um, reading back, evaluating what might be causing that um, emotion. And it, it gives you a little bit of time for yourself. And one thing that I encourage everyone to do is, regardless of how bad it is, uh, and I know, Michael, not to take away from your experience, because that is pretty, you know, bless you, that's quite, a lot of emotions there and what you're sharing with us. And I think it's very brave and very open of you to be this um, generous in sharing that information um, because a lot of people would want to sort of hide that, um, the the level that it reached for you, Michael. Gratitude, there is something all of us have in our life that we're grateful for and you know what just writing it down before you go to bed or when you wake up whatever works for you at least five things stretch it to ten mm-hmm. but at least five things that you're grateful for um and again what's happening is that you are associating in your brain a pathway of gratitude when you feel grateful you're releasing feel-good chemicals and brain cells are talking and forming connections and if you do that on a daily basis I and mean, how amazing those connections only get deeper and stronger you know, and we all have something to be grateful for, but we forget, don't we? Because we want, want, want. Mm-hmm. We don't stop to say, do you know what? I'm really actually grateful for what I do have yep. in my life. And I encourage your listeners to to start a little gratitude journal on your way to work, on the tube, or just before you go to bed. What am I grateful for in my life? Um, and when the brain is being monitored during times of people thinking about gratitude, um, the the prefrontal cortex we, we spoke about earlier is firing away. Yeah. You know, the electricity there is amazing. So those are neurons talking to each other, their pathways. And again, that's building resilience and um, a, 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 a more sort of positive outlook. But it, it can only happen and grow if 
it's uh, it, if it becomes like a a daily practice mm-hmm. a habit and you know there was um there was something that I've, you've just reminded me about nuns um there was an experiment um some research done a wee while ago and the nuns that did journal lived a good 10 20 years more than the nuns that right. didn't mm-hmm. yeah so it's quite important and you know michael there was another thing i want i made a note of when you were talking and it was about you know, cortisol, mm-hmm. uh, stress hormone, it's, we need a bit of cortisol in the morning to get us out of bed and get us to our meetings, to our work on time. You know, it's, it's good stress. We need a little bit of that good stress. But if you're going through a period of, you know, sustained cortisol in your system on a daily basis, because you're, you just hate your job, you hate your colleagues, it's a lot, it's, a, you know, really stressful situation. Uh, a lot of toxicity in your life that cortisol constantly is reducing your um, immune system Mm -hmm. it's having an effect on your immune system so if you're always maybe ill or you've got digestive problems maybe aches and pains in muscles things like that dry skin sleep it's not good you know it really is not good and it can lead to problems like you know high blood pressure and you know heart attacks eventually uh, not only that, if you are um, a leader and managing a team right now, um, are you checking in on that person who's working at home? Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you checking in on them? How are you with regards to the team that you are having daily interactions with? Are you are you um, uh, causing cortisol uh, to be secreted daily because of the way you are? Or are you promoting dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin and all the good hormones mm-hmm. in the people? You know, we, we have to be responsible um, for our actions and behaviour because it does have an effect on the people around mm-hmm. us. So it's imperative for managers, leaders, to make sure that their teams are uh, nurtured and looked after and that they feel safe and secure and that we keep those um, that cortisol level down because you know there are every day if that is what people are doing um, the effect on their health it's detrimental and then of course their families and the people that they interact with Mm -hmm. as well so that self-care awareness of others um, is very important and um, especially in these times we, we, we have to be Aware of ourselves, but also aware of the others around sure. us. And as you were saying, Michael, you know, I loved what you said about your friend <laughs> equating it to your car. <laughs> um, uh, that, that's, that's quite, quite funny. But the fact that for you, Michael, I don't know whether the lack of talking and opening up was, was causing it or whether you were aware that if I only talked more, maybe i could get some help more i don't know i think uh you know upon reflection and you know my whole business is based around talking now and it's just Mm. easier of being someone who was so afraid to openly speak about what i was going Mm. through um for the fear of judgment for the fear of so many things um and ultimately as i always said one of the, the best things to come from uh, recovery from my breakdown is the ability mm-hmm. to speak about it uh, and as my wife yeah. kind of likes to remind me you know for 47 you <laughs> never spoke about it and then you never shut up about it uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> because it takes all the virtues of actually keeping this in is only harmful to you it's not really a, yeah. a benefit to you or a positive to you as you've said there all the negative mm-hmm. stuff that comes with it so um so yeah you know certainly what I always try and advocate with you know my 
my business is mental health and really mm-hmm. to, you know, if you're struggling with your mental health, let's create a culture where it's okay to say I'm struggling with mental yes. health, whether that be, you know, in the workplace or at home. Um, certainly within, you know, I, I like to deal with it within the <clears> workplace, but mm. all too often it feels like it's almost career suicide if you're going to say I'm struggling with my mental health within the workplace. Um, so it's about changing that culture mm. within the workplace and, and I hope that that's one of the big takeaways from um, this yeah. that we're asking people is your physical health okay but also how's your, mm-hmm. how's your mental health is it you know is mm-hmm. it poor is it good could it be improved what can we do to help you um, you know if you're a member of staff with a twisted ankle you would you know make mm-hmm. reasonable adjustments um, so that you could you could accommodate yes. them within the workplace let's ask that same question about um, you know staff's mental health within the workplace as well it's, it's equally if not more important um, we yes. deal with that within the workplace you know and I think that's as well yeah. where um, kind of journaling and things like that becomes such a useful tool in the sense that sometimes people aren't willing to just open up straight away and talk about everything. Mm. But the kind of journaling aspect allows you an opportunity to maybe understand what's going on in your head and your feelings and emotions and, and express yourself in a way that's still mm. quite private until you maybe think, yeah, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to kind of talk about this now. So um, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with the kind of journaling thing. It's, it's a fantastic tool. I think it shows absolutely when you reflect on journal mm. or, or things that you've written down in whatever way, it shows how far you've came because a lot of yes. your mind will tell you you're not getting any better or whatever it may well be. But actually, because you might write something down and if you date it and then you look back on it, uh, I think I said that if you look back on it in a month later, certainly with me when I was writing poems and stuff like that, I would look back at it and go, Did I write that? Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I, something like that. or but it shows a measure of how perhaps how far you've came rather than hearing the next yeah. voice saying, you know, this isn't working or you're not getting any better. You will see the improvement. And OK, there'll be down days like, you know, there are for the general population, but um, there'll be many more steps to recovery that you can see the benefit of, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, it's also um, it's important to have a really good network of friends we, we all have friends we have lots and lots of friends but those key friends that see the good the bad and the ugly of you and they still love you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they support you and they won't judge you at all and and maybe will say it as it needs to be said as well uh we all need um that that network of those key friends that we can turn to and say it because you know when you're putting on an act um it takes a lot of energy a lot of brain energy to 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 put on this face of yes i'm fine i'm fine you know and yet as soon as you're alone you may break down in tears um uh, and, and start feeling really anxious it's it's not healthy at all and if you do have that network of friends that you really can trust and you really can show that good bad and ugly side of you then talk to them because you know human nature is that we want to help we want to help each other don't we and um Turn to your friends, talk to them, but also be aware of not sort of dumping on them. So, you know, I, I sort of say to my friends, listen, it's going to be one of them conversations. <laughs> um, are, are you in the right frame of mind? Do I need to give you a bit of time, get a coffee? Because really, I, I need it's one of them. And it's like, do you know what, Naya? I'm, I really want to talk to you. I can't. I, I want to hear it. Can we, you know, and then we just sort of, and are you okay? Are you are you okay if we call back, you know, maybe later this afternoon or just give me 10 minutes? I just need to, you know, and then we know that, yeah, she can say it as she needs to say it. And I know that my friend has the time to listen to me and vice versa. We do it to each other. 
you know, it's going to be one of them conversations. Do you have the time now? And I'm like, come on, you know, and we say it as it is. And we're also very tough with each other. Uh, because you don't want sort of fair weather friends. You don't want people just sort of platitudes. You, you want to hear it, don't you? And that comes with trust, doesn't it? And bonding with each other and trust your friends, have that network of, of, of people around you. And I just remembered something um, whilst um, you guys were talking about different people um, are going to be at different stages, regardless, depending on what's happening right now, whether you're still on furlough and at home and some of your colleagues are back at work or whether, you know, you're still going to be working from home or, you know, furlough will be coming to an end shortly. Are you worrying about, you know, are you going to be made redundant? You know, it's, it's a crazy time, isn't it, for a yeah. lot of people. And different people, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, Kubler-Ross, it's um it's a sort of a change management um tool people might know it as a change curve um so you know there's like five stages uh-huh. um that um um the, the five stages of grief uh, that kubler ross observed and wrote about and um you can apply it to grief in all sorts of situations, losing your job or the environment has suddenly changed. You're working from home. You don't have your normal social set. Um, the, 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 um, there's many, many different ways that you can say, yeah, uh, it is a kind of grieving we're going through. Mm. So, you know, there's these five steps, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And just to be aware that different people in our lives may be in, on, on a different scale, mm-hmm. different parts of that scale where you may have accepted your situation, somebody else might be still quite angry about it or denying it, or maybe they've gone into a bit of depression about it. So just to be aware of where your colleagues, your family members may be. You know, people may be um, um, at home at the moment with their partner, and it could have been that your lives were very, very different. You you know, you were ships in the night, Mm -hmm. maybe. And now all of a sudden, you know, you're actually (laughs) with each other. Uh, a lot um, and just recognizing maybe where you are on that scale or even just putting the scale aside allowing each other space mm-hmm. we all need time for ourselves it's so important it's not selfish to want to go on that walk on your own or to just you know I need time on my own put your headphones in and you're not shutting the other person out you're giving yourself a little bit of self-care so just to be aware of you know people will be at different stages depending on on the situation and just to allow for that um i think is quite important there was um something else i just wanted to uh, mention you know when i was talking about people leaders um being aware of their um their behavior their language and the way they are um and and the effect it may be having on the people around them um we have um we have what we call mirror neurons in in our brains so you know when a big burly man may be watching a movie and then he ends up crying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like no I'm not crying <laughs> <laughs> you know he's having empathy mm-hmm. uh, with the character you know uh, on the screen and it's brought out this emotion um, so these mirror neurons are are essentially to do with empathy for another person but we're picking up on their vibe so again if somebody is angry or um a bit sort of sneaky or a bit this that and the other you, be aware of your mirror neurons picking mm-hmm. up on that but similarly if you are stressed out 
or a little bit maybe you know you haven't had enough sleep you're coming to work cranky you're snapping at people you're just you know their mirror neurons of the people in front of you are picking up on this and they are feeling anxious and they may not be knowing why but they're picking up on your crankiness so just to be aware of that as well um guys (laughs) you do quite a bit of work with kind of like business owners and entrepreneurs and and things like that don't you and is it is that kind of focus around dealing with the stresses of work and and yeah so traditionally as a life coach um uh, jenny a life coach is typically somebody that you work with not because you're failing or anything like that you're you're doing you're doing well you want to you know you want to do better you could do better you have aspirations um a coach is somebody that you can work with to help you um set your goals and work in a way where you're not being judged you know your coach will keep you aligned um will um maybe um you know push you and 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 help you take those actions somebody that is focused entirely on on you so if you think of it from the um this every sports person has a coach um and usually the coaches are um their mentors as well they're, they're past champions they've done really really well in their particular sports and so they're giving you tips on how you can hone in on your skill set Mm -hmm. similarly a coach will do that too and different coaches um, have different ways of working some do work as a mentor uh, consultant type of coach I I I try and keep it to the original sort of um, concept of coaching which is that we believe that you do have the answers within you and I'm going to listen and I'm going to draw that from you because if I tell you what to do there's going to be some resistance I want you to identify those steps Mm -hmm. Um, for you to make that next move Um, so I help you to um, so where are you now what is it you wanted to achieve what's possibly getting in the way okay what are the next steps and in that conversation maybe a limiting belief might crop up and so we'll you know try and understand where that's come from are you holding it as a crutch to moving forward is it has it become like a a comfort blanket Uh, just to understand where that belief has come Mm -hmm. from that's holding you back um, and then we, um, you, you um, set your next steps. And uh, when we have a, a next session, it's case of how did you get on and so forth. So we have like a review. Um, the neuroscience aspect is where I can help you understand what is um, that the, the next steps that you make can be long lasting because the changes will happen in your brain. So if you do, um, if I talk to you about, um, so tell me about a typical day, you know, from how much rest are you getting? How much exercise are you getting? Um, what is your um, hydration levels like? What are you doing? Are you sitting down all day? If you're sitting down all day, um, that's detrimental to your brain because you're not getting that blood flow. Get up, do a bit of walking. So, you know, it's, it's like a holistic approach. And I try and infuse neuroscience into the coaching session. So you understand the benefits of a little bit of exercise in mm-hmm. your day is amazing because exercise can help you cement memories so if you're learning something new a little bit of exercise especially what science has shown is the hit um intense aerobic exercise mm-hmm. has been, has shown to be the most beneficial for cementing memory so if you are on a new project or learning something new getting that hit exercise in um can help cement that you know you want to be able to get up and walk 
um, get, even if it's a case of doing a few startups and no one's looking, <laughs> no one's get looking. that oxygen flow. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing I also, people think, oh, I'm a multitasker. I, I can do so many things at the same time. I'm afraid you're not doing any of them well. You may think you are, but the brain can only concentrate on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. So please be aware of that and cut out as much distraction as you can. So in a morning, you may have your emails, you may have your phone going, you may have a colleague coming to have a chat. You may have, all of this is using up your brain's um, resources. Our brains use about 20 to 30% of the body's energy. So if you imagine you're listening to that conversation, answering that text message or um, getting distracted because you've had a ping because you've got an email, but you actually need to be working on that report or, or that particular piece of work, and you're getting these constant or you're allowing these constant interruptions, you're depleting your, um, your brain's store of um, energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on what you're doing, 60 minutes maximum, you need to take a break. 60 to 90 minutes, take a break, get some water, get some um, um, glucose yeah. some way down you because brains, may, oxygen and glucose are the main sort of fuel mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> for your brain. So, yes, working with... Um, um, business owners, busy professionals, yep. particularly um, business owners, leaders, and also um, my focus is entrepreneurs as mm-hmm. well. Um, it's really important for them to be able to understand the dynamic of their brain and not talk themselves out sure. of opportunities. Yeah. Cool. That all sounds fantastic. And how how would somebody get in touch with you if um, they saw it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the best way to contact me at the moment is via LinkedIn. <laughs> and I'm going to spell my name. Okay. <laughs> it is not a common name, but my name is Naya Sultana Qureshi. So Naya is N for November, A-I-Y-E-R. Mm-hmm sultana as it sounds sultana as in currants and raisins i've heard it all before (laughs) (laughs) and koreshi is q-u-r-e-s-h-i so i'm available on linkedin and i'm happy to have a chat with anybody on a very very gentle basis just to understand perhaps what their needs are and um, see how i can help them. awesome that's been absolutely fantastic thank you so much for for joining us today um I've really, I've really enjoyed this episode. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jenny and Michael. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I just just want to echo what Jenny said there. That's brilliant uh, to hear someone's in all in that field and particularly on a personal level, something that uh, I'm really interested in and and sure. Oh, amazing. um, All of our listeners. So thank you very much for giving up your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very, very much. And thank you, Michael, for being so open. I think it's very, very important. Um, Everything that you have to say is very important for people to know and be able to feel comfortable and reach out. So thank you. You're welcome. 